0: People always want to know how to do. How do I do this without having learned how to see it? If you don't recognize it when you see it, how are you going to do it?
1: How can you tell a good story from a bad story? On this week's episode of You Are a Storyteller, Brian McDonald and Jesse Bryan walk us through how to see. Because before you can tell the best stories, you have to learn how to see the best stories. So this week's episode is all about learning how to see, Mm -hmm. right? Um, because the beauty is, is like, once you can start to see these things in the wild, once you can start seeing them in your favorite movies or shows or even like music or books, it really starts changing things. It goes from being like a concept to like a real life thing. Right. Um, and so we go, here we go. How do you learn how to see? Well, (laughs) (laughs) there you go.
0: Easy. Well, before, before I say that, I should Mm -hmm. say that, um, people always want to know how to do how do I do this how do I do that how do I write a first act how do I write subtext how do I hmm. it's always how do I do it without having learned how to see it and that's the first step right if you don't if you don't recognize it when you see it how are you gonna do it yeah so they they jump right to do right yeah. but first see it learn how to see it learn how to see it effortlessly yeah right and then you will be able to reproduce it more easily so people overlook that step all the time yeah right maybe That's they've seen really it once maybe they've seen it oh i yes. i know how that works i you know no you don't yet yeah. you know let yourself internalize it people rush yeah they don't i don't know what it is about our culture but there's a rush instead of uh like i'm gonna spend my time like you know sometimes if i want to learn something i'll just go okay i'm just gonna be bad at this for a year and i'm gonna like when i started photography it's like okay um i'm gonna work on this aspect of composition right right um first it was rule of thirds then it was leading lines then it was frame within a frame then it was um i don't know whatever it was yeah right and and that's the way i did it and i built on it so i just Got to the point where one thing was second nature, and then I moved on to the next thing. I wasn't trying to rush things. That's the way I tend to work. Yeah. But I noticed that everybody, they want the whole thing.
1: But we have a weird, there's a weird thing in general, especially like you said, in our culture where the hurry thing is a big deal. It's almost like once you're in your 20s, it's like, well, I blew it. Right. Here I am. (laughs) Here I am in my 20s. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I I just turned 30, and uh, since I didn't figure out how to be the best photographer in the world or whatever... (laughs) Uh, I just read an article about this because we're doing some other research for a different project uh, where everybody always talks about the entrepreneurs. You Mm -hmm. know, big entrepreneurs that started a tech company or whatever when they were 19 or 40. And this this thing came out and said the vast majority of um, successful entrepreneurs are 45 and above. Mm -hmm. And this kind of – it kind of flew in the face of all the, you know, perceived deal because there's a difference between – they said this said successful entrepreneurs okay right they're like For so a, you'll get a lot of you know, young folks starting stuff mm-hmm. and they'll fail or whatever. they'll learn and they'll learn and they'll learn and they'll learn then they'll get into like about mid 40s and they'll start to go like wait a second I can see that I was doing this wrong. I need to focus more on my customers or whatever. And all of a sudden you start to see when people actually get really successful. It's actually in the, you know, forties and fifties because they've kind of had life. So I guess, don't be in such a hurry, right? Where it's like, I got to be able to do it out of the gate.
0: Well, I don't remember, and I'm going to get this all wrong. So there's probably somebody who knows this better than I do about Mozart. But you know, Mozart was performing when he was, and composing when he was a kid, right? Five, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, and people were like, wow, what a genius. I'm not saying he wasn't a genius, but apparently nobody performs that stuff he composed when he was five and six and seven. It wasn't until he uh, was older that he was stuff doing stuff know. that we know. Yeah. So he started early. Yeah. And he may have been good for a guy who was five or six or yeah. seven, but he wasn't the Mozart we think of until much later. And so he was just getting his time in early. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So... um People forget that, that things take time. Uh, we like the story of the person who just knows. Yep. We like that. But that lets us off the hook, too.
1: Hmm.
0: Right? Well, they're just talented. Right? They just know how to do it. They're just good. People, uh-huh. Somebody I used to work with would say that to me all the time. Well, this stuff just comes naturally to you. It's like, I've spent hours, <laughs> hours, countless hours learning yeah. this. It's like, no, it does. It looks like it to you, huh. you know. It's – um. It's what I always say that um, talent is what hard work looks like from the other side, Hmm. right?
1: Yeah, totally. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's what it is. Yeah, they weren't there when you were a kid, like, recording audio tapes of TV shows so you could listen back to them. Yeah. Do you remember any of those kind of aha moments, like, going back to, like, that idea of, like, we called it a light bulb moment, the the, the moment yeah. where you could see the scaffolding behind mm-hmm. the home or, you know, that type of a deal. Yeah,
0: I think I had I had audio taped. I think it was the Mary Tyler Moore show, which I did a lot of. I audio taped the Mary Tyler Moore show and the, um, uh, the Bob Newhart show um, and probably other shows. But those are the shows I remember mm-hmm. doing. And uh, this is before you could tape stuff at home because I'm a thousand years old. <laughs> but um, so there was no way to record the video. So I would just record the audio, and then, like, some kids, like, they read when they're supposed to be sleeping. I listened to these shows, and I I started to figure out, oh, the first part of a show is about this, and the second part of a show is about that. I don't know how old I was when I figured that out. I was –
1: maybe I was 10
0: Hmm.
1: when I figured that out, something like that, 10. But that's when you started being conscious of these – like, when do you even start thinking about, like, there's a person called a writer, and they're figuring this stuff out.
0: I don't – well I don't know when I Figured that out Yeah That I don't know But I remember uh, I, I remember Maybe I talked about this But I remember being I think five In kindergarten And seeing uh, A stop motion movie About King Midas Did I talk about this? I don't, I don't think so Okay So I saw this stop motion movie About King Midas And uh, it was terrifying though it, Because stop motion is terrifying uh-huh. But it was also really intriguing And that story stuck with me. Yeah, and I thought about it all the time. Now I know what movie that was. Like it was Ray Harryhausen did the animation on it. It was one of the puppetoons by George Powell. And anyway, but but I know what it is now. Like I've seen it since. But it's creepy. But it stuck with me. Yeah, and I started thinking a lot about stories after that. Hmm. I remember very specifically thinking a lot about stories after that. But movies were always intriguing to me. But the story really got me. Gotcha. Um, And so I think I cared more about stories at first and how they worked, but I don't know why I, you know what I mean? I don't know where that came from. Right. But, and I'm not sure when I figured out, wait, somebody's writing this stuff. I'm not sure when I figured that out. there's a
1: process they're going through to build something good. Yeah. Right.
0: But I knew what I wanted to do. So I guess I knew people, somebody must've told me. So I knew what I wanted to do since I can remember. Yeah. So I was always just studying it. And so I learned how to see it, see these patterns through repetition. So I wouldn't just listen to the show once. I would listen to it again and again and again and again to see why something made me laugh, why something Mm. like, oh, I see. They set it up way up here. They said this, and it's coming back now. So a lot of people are afraid of the repetition. So I will uh, have a list of movies for people to watch sometimes, and they'll say, well, Oh, I've seen this one and I've seen this one and I've seen this one. Mm-hmm. And so they'll decide that they don't need to watch those. Even though maybe they've sat through a class and they have a different set of eyes now, now they know what a first act is or they know huh. what clone characters are or whatever. But they don't they don't they don't realize it's like, Yeah, but you saw it before, you weren't the same person you are now. Even age changes the way you view something. Yeah. Right? Oh,
1: that's so, true.
0: Yeah. So go back and look at it again. You you're not gonna get it once, but that's what people like to do, it's that rush thing.
1: That, and that idea of the different set of eyes, right? Yeah. Also, that's a good thing. Right. If you're growing, hopefully, you know, you're evolving and seeing things a little little differently than you did before. Yeah. Um, but but it's one of the things I found to be really helpful is, you know, um, for the benefit of those who've been able to, like, sit in a class and see these things where you can watch someone, you know, sit with somebody who's, like, showing it to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to watch this, you know, the first act of tootsie or whatever. Right. Here's what you need to look for. You're mm-hmm. gonna notice this, this, and the other thing. And as far as like baby stepping into it, right? Where you can start to see somebody like, oh dang, I never noticed that before. And I've mm-hmm. seen that before, Shashink, whatever the thing is. Right. Um and so it almost it seems like the first step is kind of like, you know, kind of watch me do it. Right. Right. And I'm gonna watch you do it. Now now I'm gonna you watch it and then you tell me what did you see and whatever. Right? Like that process of like kind of, you know, yeah snagging it. Like how does that how does that work? Well
0: I didn't have the benefit of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you need it. Yeah. People like it. It's a sort of training wheels feeling. Right. But you don't need it. What you need is to is to. Usually we let a story wash over us. We notice the things that don't work usually. Right. Um, Oh, that dropped me out of it. We don't notice the things that are working. And I think that's, again, the repetition So you can't be afraid to watch something over and over and over again, or read something over and over and over. You used
1: to go to movies, and you would like watch the movie. Yeah, maybe a couple times. Yeah, was back when you matinee. You could just sit in the movie theater, and then then. you said you would turn around Mm -hmm. and like kind of sit to the side and watch it again to see how the audience reacted.
0: Right, so I would watch it a few times. Yeah, my just watch it and study it, and then I would watch the audience to see if they were engaged in the same places um were scared in the same places or whatever that was um uh that helped me a lot yeah because i realized that the pattern like it wasn't just this audience that thought that was funny or thought this was scary or whatever like it was consistent Yep. so i knew you could be consistent
1: Hmm. and there's something bigger (laughs) underneath this yeah because man at that scene, every audience, the last three audience, have all done the exact same thing.
0: Right, I went to the same movie a lot when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so kind of through that process of so really, you're saying it's not even about it's just the repetition. If you if you if you're watching close enough enough times, you will just naturally and if also if it's a great piece of work, right? Yeah, that helps.
0: I was I I grew up at a good time for movies. Yeah, so um, you know. I mean the seventies and eighties. Yeah, uh, there were a A lot lot of good good movies. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, it's harder now than it was then.
1: Yeah, could you actually sit down? I mean, just as far as like a really simple thing, somebody could actually do at home. Mm -hmm. Take ET. Yeah, and every night for the next four nights, watch it.
0: Yeah, you could do that. You'll see it, like you know. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do that, well, then you don't want to do this. (laughs) You know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. um, it, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be work. You know what I mean? In the way that you think of work. It's not homework in that way.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I just needed to know how it, everything worked. I just needed, to, like people take their toys apart, I needed to know how a story worked and I would take it apart that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't boring yeah. to, to get those flashes of insight. Yeah. Because that's what happens if you stare at it long enough. Yep, um, You get flashes of insight.
1: You know, what's funny about this, Brian is when we talk about that idea of learning how to see mm-hmm. and the weird thing when we talk about stories is stories are so much bigger than what people think they are. Right. Right. So the first level of scene is like, Oh, here's how the story works. Mm-hmm. Where I think it gets really interesting is the next level of scene. Um, we were just in Memphis. You were speaking at uh, a conference And you were talking about a concept we're not going to talk about for a long time, um, in fact, until your book comes out, called Land of the Dead, Mm -hmm. right? And the coolest part about the Land of the Dead stuff was when your audience was starting to see that concept, that story concept, Mm -hmm. in their own lives. Right. Right? When people start to see these stories, you know, like what you can see the structure side, and then you start to see that in your own life, Mm -hmm. how some of these principles play out in your own life, like why you love E.T. and how... You needed to learn empathy like Elliot and how that's, boy, dang, I'm, I am was actually, when I was crying, I was actually thinking about myself, and I didn't mm-hmm. realize it. Or yeah. when I watched Shawshake, I was reminding myself that I need to get busy living, right? Mm-hmm. And when you can see not only see the structure inside the story, but also how those stories are affecting you as a person, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that's also part of that kind of level of uh, how stories help you learn, learn how to see. I think
0: that's true. I think that... Um when you yeah there's a there's a um there's a level you get to like you said where um, you know the first level actually you know who d- talks about this really well is uh, Scott McCloud in Understanding Comics
1: yes okay
0: right so there's a whole thing in there where he talks about how young people are stuck on the surface of things and so all they see is the surface how cool is that that looks cool that looks shiny yeah. right um, and I see that a lot. Oh, I like the style of this. I like the camera moves. I, you know, <laughs> it's all on the costume, surface. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you know, there's you you get below that to, to another level of understanding, and below that, and below that, and at the center of it is uh, idiom, and mm-hmm. that's
1: mm-hmm.
0: why you do what you do.
1: Yeah.
0: It it's beyond the how you do it. Yeah. Right. And people stop. Since I read that piece, I can see where people are stopped when I talk to them. Hmm. Some people stop at any stage. People can stop at any stage. Yeah. But you get to idiom, and it becomes about how this thing um, – what's the word I'm looking for? It, it becomes part of you in a very different way. Yeah. And it becomes a sort of a guide for you in a very different hmm. way. Um, can you give
1: me an example of that? Like, What do you mean guide? I think guide is a really interesting word.
0: Uh, well – if you know, like when I went, wait a minute, stories are for survival information. When, I, when I, that hit me, yeah. well, that changes the way I listen to stories, mm-hmm. right? It changes the way I listen to your story. Mm-hmm. It changes the way I, I read stories. It changes the way I watch a movie, yeah. right? If I know that there's something in there that's going to help me survive this, yeah. well, then I listen differently. And then if I'm creating something, I create differently because now I have a responsibility. Right. Right. You don't have a responsibility when you just want to do cool shots or say cool lines or whatever. Right. No responsibility there. That's all about you. That's your ego. Yeah. But when you get past all of that and you're like serving a bigger thing, then you take on a responsibility. Yeah. And that can be daunting. So sometimes people stop because they don't want that responsibility.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because once you actually understand that the true power of like what's the storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about you know the 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 old Native American proverb, you know those who tell stories rule the world, and how an updated version of that is just whoever tells the best story is going to win, mm-hmm. right? And you start realizing stories aren't for kids, and the stuff. Once you learn how to tell a story, you can use that to do all sorts of great things. You could use it to try, try to rally the folks in the United States to you know, and around the world to fight the Nazis. Or right. you could use stories to try to whatever, raise money for the Boys and Girls Club. Or you right. could use stories to recruit people to do awful stuff. Yeah. Right. But that's how we think. It's how we work as people. Right. Um and once you understand that like storytellers have a much um hard, what especially once you understand it, right? Yeah. Have a have an obligation to Telling good stories, no, you, I would hope. You, yeah. Right? Um, yeah. And knowing that people will consume them and it changes how people think and feel and all that stuff. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, it's like, well, go to a movie and look around. Does anybody ever get emotional? Stories change how we think, right. how we feel. Well, how we feel and then how we think right. after that because you're affected emotionally. So there's a burden that comes along with, with this stuff once you understand it.
0: What, what's interesting is the confusion about what stories are for seems to be new in the world. Hmm. So. It seemed like people understood why they told stories before. You can tell by the kinds of stories they told, right? When stories weren't about making money, right? Because that confuses the issue, Yeah. right? They yeah. weren't about making money. They were about engaging an audience. They were about imparting wisdom and knowledge and information to an audience. And so the they were constructed much differently. So the stories that we have that are very old – the boy who cried wolf, or something like that. Yeah. There's nobody was trying to make money off that story. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it its purpose is clear to us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Once it becomes a money making thing, it, it it gets muddy because it's like you know people like uh, people like wolves. They like that wolf story. They like wolves. Right. <laughs> yeah. That only had one wolf, wolf in it. What if <laughs> we had you know ten <laughs> wolves? Better story. Yeah. You know it's like no. Yeah. Ten times is good. You know. You know. So it changes how you. Yeah approach the whole thing when you say oh wait how have people done this forever Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right um that's why i'm not big on the new it's like it's a new way of telling stories new 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 it's an ancient thing
1: (laughs) it's about as ancient as it gets it's about
0: as ancient as it gets and so it works fine Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it works fine you don't need to fix it you need to master it that's
1: interesting
0: right that's usually Mm -hmm. people haven't mastered it and they think something must be wrong with it you said something and it reminded me of this and and uh hopefully there'll be a place for it in Mm -hmm. the show (laughs) but but i was just thinking about um i often think about uh, maybe because we were in memphis and um we went to the spot where uh spot where slaves were traded right so i've been thinking a lot about that stuff And, and about slavery and i think about how the slaves used stories and the Brer Rabbit stories.
1: That's right.
0: Right, the Brer Rabbit stories, Are which grievous. yeah, which I I sort of wish were um, reclaimed because I think that the Disney, the Disney, the Disney of the nineteen forties made uh, you know a sort of stereotype and sort of they sort of ruined it hmm. and and even some of the books before Disney sort of ruined it, but the slaves used these stories about this trickster rabbit yeah to pass on information about how to outsmart the thing that is more powerful than you, the person who's more powerful. How do you get what you want and what you need yeah. when you seemingly have no power, like a rabbit, hmm. right? That's a really important thing to impart to people, Yeah. right? They knew why they were telling those stories, right? And they used them. Wow. Right? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's all about, like, was all about, like, how do you outsmart the powerful? I have it powerful. in my
1: library. My grandpa used to read to me when I was a kid. Yeah. I didn't even know people like until until the ride came out at Disneyland. I didn't know. I thought I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know anybody even else knew about these stories. Oh, really? And so I had no idea because my grandpa would read those stories. Yeah, bear rabbit, bear bear. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and like you know, don't throw me in the briar, the briar patch. patch. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. I remember all that. I didn't realize that slaves would tell those stories.
0: Yeah, that slaves. Uh, it's interesting. The origin of them is is muddy because. Um, they had stories like it in West Africa, but the natives huh. here also had stories with trickster rabbits in them, and they're not sure exactly how
1: Prayer wow. Rabbit came out. But that was that a way. way to tell these stories to folks around you without necessarily saying, hey, when this guy shows up, right? Yeah. Here's how he's going to want to do horrible things. and you know, Yeah. That's really interesting. I know that. Yeah. But they knew why they were telling it. Yeah.
0: So that so changed. there was no
1: merchandising angle attached to <laughs> right. it, right? Yeah, they weren't trying to sell toys. Yeah, or... they were trying to help these other the pe- young people around them, like make it right. This
0: is how you survive, hmm. right? Everybody used to know that. You look at Zen parables. You look at like yeah. that's the way everybody told stories for thousands of years. They knew
1: that they were imparting information, right? So, um, if you kn- really aren't going to like this, hmm. but this is okay. It's just something to make you know. We're just trying to spark. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know whether or not you agree, but like. Talking about, okay, well, if that's the position of storytellers is to impart survival information, help people get unstuck. Mm -hmm. That sounds really um, similar to a shaman or a priest. Right. Or those types of other positions in communities, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, oh, you're stuck? Well, let me tell you a story about... It's the same job. Yeah.
0: We've separated those jobs. But those jobs used to be all together, right? So the... the 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 holy person or shaman yeah. and the storyteller and the healer. That was all one job.
1: Yeah. Can you talk about why you included the healer? I, I like that you included that. The healer? Yeah. Well, like if I said what does stories have to do with healing? I guess is my Oh. Uh I was thinking about like the red badge stuff. You right,
0: oh yeah, when to talk helping vets tell their stories yep. with red badge. Um healing well, I know because well, we use stories for healing all the time, right? 12-step programs use it, mm. right? Um, people who have uh, some kind of uh, trauma like PTSD yeah. for some reason will tell, share stories for medicinal reasons. Mm-hmm. People who've uh, survived cancer will be in groups. I know yeah. somebody who's in a group, right? Yeah. Right. Because... There was a
1: vet that came up and talked to you in Memphis. Mm-hmm. She just got back. Yeah. And She was talking about how hearing how stories worked helped her even start to unwind some things.
0: Yeah. So, um, so we know they're healing. Yeah, we use them that way, right? But we forget when we sit down to make a story, we forget that that's what we use them for. Right, right. But um, in Ayurveda, uh, which is the oldest form of medicine s- still practiced,
1: huh.
0: um, in Ayurveda, one of the things they used to do, from what I understand, and maybe they still do, is um, when you came. To the practitioner with a problem, they would give you a story to contemplate because the answer would be inside that story.
1: Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? So, so where we give a prescription, yeah. Say, think about this. Yeah. Along with whatever, but think about this. Yeah. That's nuts. I yeah. didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So that's so we've always it's like known, magic. It is. We've always known that that's what stories are for. It's just a recent thing that we don't know. Yeah, but if you start to be able to see how people use them, because people use them in real life for these reasons, right? To warn somebody about this, to let them, you know, know about this problem or that problem or how to overcome something, or you know, uh, or even the fact that they're not alone and they're suffering in some Mm -hmm. way, right? Which is what often the twelve-step programs are, because what they tell you is, this is what happened to me. I lost my wife, whatever it is, and you're like. Well, if they got through it, I can get through it. Right. There's survival information in knowing you're not by yourself yeah. and that other people have survived it, right?
1: And you walk out feeling a little less lonely, and that does heal you. I mean, right. We know what stress does to the body. We know what anxiety does to us. and the, well, We know what emotions do to our body. Right. right? And that's it tells you a story, and you walk away, and you feel lighter. Yeah. Well, that's a big deal. Yeah. Right? It's more than just, I don't know, a flimsy thing. Yeah. Right?
0: Well- Here's Okay, so there's an episode I, – I play it in class sometimes. I don't know if you've ever heard me play it, but there's an episode of uh, the show This American Life uh, where there's a kid uh, who has uh, Mosaic Down syndrome. And Mosaic Down syndrome is like Down syndrome, only you could, you could have Mosaic Down syndrome and look like a person with Downs and have an average or above average IQ. Or you can not look like a person with Downs and, and have a deficit – and your mm-hmm. cognitive ability, right? Yeah. So, you, anywhere on that spectrum. Mosaic downs no, I've Yeah. Heard this. So, you can be you can be anywhere on the spectrum. And so they don't know how it's going to shape up until you get to be a certain age, right? Yeah. So, the story's about a woman whose son had mosaic downs, but she didn't want him to know. Because she took him to school one day and it's like his first day of school and when she came to pick him up, all the kids were doing something and he was like finger painting or something on the ground and the mom was like to the teacher, like, why, why, why is my son? Oh, he likes doing that. We don't want to bug him. And she's like, I don't want my son to not be treated like a regular kid. So yeah. she didn't tell him. She didn't tell the teacher. She didn't tell anybody. But he started to suspect because he would get teased. And he had a he, the way he processed information was a little different. And the way he talked was a little mm-hmm. different. And so uh, finally, as I, I, he was a teenager or something, um, she finally told him you know it was really hard for her to do it and her yeah. husband and she sat down and tell because he asked he's like is there something do i have yeah. a medical yeah. issue that you're not telling me about yeah. and they at first she'd let it that go and tried to change the subject but finally she's like we have to tell him yeah. so so she tells him and uh she says well you know you have mosaic down syndrome and uh the interviewer says what did that make you feel what did you think of when she said that and he said um it made me think of storm wolverine colossus i think colossus whatever the the x-men yeah and the interviewer you can hear a little bit of a chuckle that she says why did it make you think of the x-men he says because they're mutants and they have special powers because they're mutants wow i thought it was kind of cool that's awesome isn't that awesome yeah it's awesome yeah so yeah, it helped him it helped yeah, him yeah and it's the x-men right that's that's a really good example of how yeah. i don't believe in story hierarchy right that king lear is better than that you know i mean i'm not saying king Lear is not good i'm saying king lear's not the story that everybody needs yeah right right the x-men was what that kid needed right it wasn't going to help him to read king lear yeah right
1: and it's awesome that somebody made the X Men, so he could have them when he needed them. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it's amazing, man. It's magic. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah, to be able to do this for a living, right, and yeah. understand the power of it. What you can do is, it's unbelievable. Um, and so, like, and once you can see that stuff, right everything really changes It starts to shift pretty fast
0: yeah so see it look in the world and see how people use stories how are people that's the uh, we've talked about it before but you have yeah. to learn how to see this stuff in the natural world you yeah. have to see how people talk you have to see when they impart information to each other and how they do it all everything you need to learn is in the natural world in terms of storytelling. Yeah. We do it all the time and we do yeah. it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, we just forget when we sit down in front of the computer to do to do it. We think we have to do something else, that we have a different task. Yeah. Um, but it's the same task.
1: And, man, once you get this stuff, like that young man, like who got that story, mm-hmm. somebody did their job. Right. When they did the X-Men, it was a clean enough story where you could read it and get it. Right. And understand it. You know, like, there, it wasn't a, it was, um, I'm, I guess I'm trying to go for simplicity, right? I Like, I sometimes, like, you talk about what's the difference between when when I'm, if I'm talking to my kids, mm-hmm. if I'm talking to my friends, my family, people I care about, I'm trying to tell a story in a way that they get it because right. I want them to do well. Right. I'm not trying to trick them or go, I bet you didn't see that coming. <laughs> right. And it's right. like, no, I didn't, but how is it going to help me with my test tomorrow, dad, or whatever, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. It's like, when you care about the people around you, you tell stories in a way that you hope you get them. It's not about showing that you're clever. Right. It's not about any of those things. It's about service of, you know, I hope this person gets this concept and so I'm going to tell them this story of how I learned it, right? Right. Um, Whereas you sit in front of your computer, all of a sudden there's voices in the back of your head possibly going, that'll be too obvious or there's got to be a twist at the end or... Yeah. Or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, it become it does it stops being that thing that people can understand. It stops being that thing you can hold on to. Well, and it's yeah. not
0: about them. It becomes it about becomes you. Becomes about you. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That's what the, people don't understand that their job there's a service job,
1: right? Service industry. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's gonna say, "Oh, you're a storyteller," whatever that means. Yeah. A bi- songwriter or whatever. Yeah. You know, right? Re- oh, you're in the service industry. Right. No, I'm not. I'm an artist. <laughs> right. Well, what does that mean? Yeah means I'm special and do whatever I want and only think about myself. I don't think that's what that means. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty sure. Just like a shaman. You're like, what do you do? It's like, well, I'm a shaman. I'm trying to help make people, you know, help heal the people around me, like help people get through hard things. Yeah. That's how you would view that. It's a service industry. Right. Because if you were to call it an industry. Well, if you're a doctor, you know, there's certain, right? right? Yeah. It's the same job. That's really interesting, too, because, and what do doctors do? They dedicate their whole life to learning. Why? Because they never want to be in a situation where they haven't studied and someone's yeah. life's on the line, or they can't fulfill right. you know, their task, and right, and right. it's like, but storytellers, I feel like there isn't as much of a. Well, I mean, I get it; it's not saving lives, but you well, see yes, I mean? it there's, is. There's left. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is saving lives. Huh?
0: If you're a doctor, yeah. You probably learn a lot of stuff, a lot of chemistry, a lot of biology. I don't know what everything a doctor knows. There's a lot of things they learn, anatomy, Mm -hmm. whatever. But probably some of the best things they learn are the stories of when something went right and when something went wrong. For sure. Stories cross every profession that way. Mm -hmm. It's as important as as any other job that you think of as an important job. Because it informs how all of those people do their jobs. Yep. It informs how pilots fly. Right?
1: Well, this is this happened th- so you talked about the talk about the Hudson guy. You talked about the Miracle on the Hudson guy? Yeah. So okay, so I don't think you've talked about that on the podcast. I haven't? No. Yeah. Okay, so
0: so uh Sully, the Captain Sullenberg, uh when he landed his plane, he got they were flying out of New York, they hit uh a flock of geese and uh, lost an engine or two, or whatever it was, but they, they, the plane was disabled and they had to land the plane. His idea was to land the plane on the Hudson River. So when that happened, I was watching the news and they, um, they wanted to talk to a pilot who understood what had happened and they couldn't talk to Sully. He was still on the plane, I think, at the time. He was still like, he's on the wing helping people out or something, you know, but he was still occupied saving lives so they had another pilot on on the line on the phone and it was a guy who had landed a plane on its belly in Iowa City and so this guy landed this plane. so they said oh let's bring that guy in so they called that guy on the phone and uh, the 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 reporter the interviewer said so why do you think Sully was able to do this Captain Sullenberg was able to understand that he could land a plane on the Hudson and the guy said well He was a flight crash investigator. So he had more stories than most of us in his head about what had gone wrong and what had gone right, what pilots had done right and what did wrong. He said, said, so that was one thing. He had more stories in his head. He said something else. He said, and pilots have something that we call hangar flying. Hangar flying is when something goes bad in the air. Uh, and the pilot lands, all the pilots gather around that pilot and they want to know what happened. What did you do? Then what happened? What did you do? They want to know what? Yeah. And the guy said, it's like going to school on someone else's tuition.
1: Wow. So that's just a practice. Yeah. That's crazy. They get out of the plane and they swap stories.
0: Yeah, of course. Right.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Right. So stories do
1: save lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He had more stories in his head and even just that practice, it was a mistake. Right. They're like, it wasn't like one day I was like, hey, you know what I like doing? I like bullshitting with my friends. I'll tell you what, every time you almost die, <laughs> yeah. let's all stand around and talk about it. Yeah. No, no. it happens because there's something in them that goes, I need to learn this. Right. How do you make it through that? Right. So that's the kind of stuff you need to learn how to see. Mm-hmm.
0: How are people using stories? Yeah. Right. Because so you can look at formalized stories. You can watch E.T. over and over again, yeah. and that will help you. But it also will help you to see in real life how stories are being used. Yeah. Because it changes what you do when you sit in front of that blank computer yep. screen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It changes how you think about what you do.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? Um, you know? And it doesn't mean that survival information always has to be serious. Right? It can be a comedy. Yeah. Right? People, they, oh, sure. they, you know, they think, oh, that means everything has to be yeah. deep. That's not necessarily true. Yeah. Right? Um, a comedy about being a jerk...
1: <laughs> well, Brer Rabbit. There's a lot of funny. There's stuff. There's a lot like, of funny. St- yeah, it's for kids. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it's a. It's not complicated. It's not yeah. serious. Yeah, but there's a lesson there. Yeah, man. Um, you know what's funny. I was talking about this uh concept of uh, survival information with somebody, and it was like a group of folks, and and I was like, here, I'll prove it to you. If I say um, the tortoise in the hair. What am I talking about? And all of the people in the room were above 30, and they're like, they're like, I was like, do you know what I'm talking about? Everyone was like, of course I know that. I was like, when's the last time somebody told you that story? They're like, oh, geez, I don't know, 30 years? Yeah. I have this story in 30 years? I was like, it stuck in your head. And I go, in fact, do any of you remember the lesson from that? Two of the guys, well, slow and steady, wins a race. I was like, how crazy is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that when you were four years old, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> someone told you something. A piece of information, yeah, right, that lodged in your brain to the point where thirty some odd years later you can do that. Yeah. What if I ask you? Great, same time you were four. What was your address when you were four? Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Then why can everyone in the room when I can just say that little thing it sticks in your head? Why? Because your body's going. I better remember this. Yeah. Why? Because it's survival information. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because someday I might be like the rabbit and I want to run faster. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But think about that, it's like magic. Yeah. It was stuck in their heads and their body was like, yep, I'm gonna hold on to that. Yeah. The same thing with the, the uh, hanger flying. Hanger flying, Wait, yeah. What happened? Come on, no, give it to me. What happened? Well, right. about the 15 minute, and this happened and I knew that I should, yeah. like give it to me. And your brain's just, yep, yeah. remember it, front of the mind, yeah. right? All the other stuff you forget. Yeah, That's not one of them. Stories aren't one of them. No. There's something special about even just that concept, right? Yeah. And then once you realize like, well, the cool part is once you realize that you're a storyteller, step one, mm-hmm. right? And then when you can start to see them around you, step two. And then hopefully when it gets really interesting, I'm sure like most concepts when it get really interesting is when you see the thing behind the thing, right? which is how powerful it is in your life and other people's lives mm-hmm. and how it can heal people, right? And now yeah. it's 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 more than a... um. A fun little thing it, it's it's one of the thing it is human to its core yeah right yeah um and then it becomes service right and then all of a sudden well shoot i gotta do my i gotta tell them differently now right in fact i better keep studying because they're super important whether or not you make your living doing it right mm-hmm. even if it's just for the basis the basics of caring about the other humans around you how do i get better at this thing yeah how do i help people get through it it's um
0: and and having said that i mean looking learning how to see it's amazing what it does for you because if you learn how to see it does also help you survive
1: <laughs> yeah there's also that
0: right <laughs> yeah sure so uh-huh. so yeah you learn how to see and you can replicate okay. it and all of that but you can also apply it um and go you know i always say look everybody knows somebody who has to learn something the hard way you know and, and this is the way people usually talk about this. Uh, he has to learn things the hard way. That guy, you know, he has to learn things the hard way. That's the way people talk about that guy, right? <laughs> uh-huh. What does that mean? Yeah. Usually it means, well, he doesn't listen to stories. He doesn't listen to other people who've been through this. Hmm. Right? So if there's a hard way, there's an easy way. <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. And the easy way is listening to people's stories. Hmm. Yeah. You know?
1: So think uh, about all the pain it costs them to learn that. Yeah. Think about that guy who's just come down. He's like, I almost died along with a whole crew of people and blah, blah, blah. You guys want to hear my story? Yes, we do. Yeah. That's a lot of pain and anxiety (laughs) to go through. Yeah. Lay it on me.
0: What you got? Yeah. You know? And that's why I I reject this idea, this entertainment idea. We've talked Mm -hmm. about it on the show. Yeah. But uh, that stories are for entertainment. Yeah. They're not always entertaining.
1: Right. Remember The, the, the definition. Yeah. Entertainment just means to distract. Yeah. Distract from what? Yeah. The only thing I can think of is from your life. Yeah. Whereas what we're talking about is like, how do you save your life? Yeah. How do you save your life and the lives of others? Like, how do you how, yeah. navigate this thing? There's nothing entertaining about that. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And by entertainment, I mean just distracting. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it, yeah,
0: stories can be entertaining. Yeah. But really, they're engaging. Right. Right? So sometimes I think engagement is, Mm. makes people think of entertainment got it right they're engaged yeah,
1: rabbit's like there's some funny stuff and he says yeah. some funny lines was like but that's not what that's not why you remember it right that's not what you're responding to yeah we're just kind of attributing the wrong things to the wrong thing yeah um yeah it's really interesting thanks brian yeah thanks next time on your storyteller
0: the idea that there's something new to say about storytelling is ridiculous. It's not, we're not talking about technology or anything like that. We're talking about an ancient form.
1: Thanks for watching You Are a Storyteller. If you have any questions or there's a storytelling topic you want us to cover, leave a comment below or email us at hello at